hello to our Triple M family. It's your girl, Jay Burns and Scotty. We are here and we here at the Medicine for the Melanated and Misguided want to thank you for tuning into this session. With Valentine's Day coming up and the discussion of love being in the air, we wanted to discuss the love of parents and children. We have a real treat for you all this month. So this session is on parental relationships and we will be featuring two special guests. One who grew up with a semi-supportive parent and one with two unsupportive parents. So with great pleasure, we would like to introduce Shay Frazier, who's the owner of Shay Sweet from Birmingham, Alabama, and Brandon Wenham from Aliceville, Alabama. Shay and Brandon, tell us a little more about yourselves and your family. It doesn't have to be deep. We'll get into those deep conversations in just a bit. I'm a single child. My mom had me at the age of 26. Um, born in Birmingham, Alabama. I uh, lived there for my first 10 years of age. Uh, my mom got into trouble. Then we moved back home to where she was originally from with my grandparents and cousins and whatnot. So uh, I say I'm from Aliceville, Alabama. And I guess that's a that's a little of the background. So Shay, tell us a little about your family's background. Um, so I come from a single parent home um, in from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, we moved a lot, like all around uh, Birmingham. And uh, that's pretty much it. Okay, okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us again and volunteering to share your life story with us. We know that the topic of parental relationships can be touchy for some people, especially in the black community. But being on a journey to heal means that we address those topics even when we want to sweep things under the rug. So our relationship with our parents not only affects our own self-worth and self-esteem, but it also affects the relationship we have with our partners and our own children. Keep listening as we all discuss how our parents affect their child's mental health and how to create healthy adult relationships with your own parents. But wait, we've got to do our homework check and our question of the month. Last month, we gave you a lesson you learned in 2021 or a lesson we shared in season nine and sharing it with someone else. So did you do it? How did you feel after if you did? How did the other person feel? Let us know on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Brandon, we know you weren't here for last month's session, but... 
that someone recently shared with you that maybe you are listening for shoe learning for 2021. If I had to say the lesson I learned, I'd say uh, to be more patient and understanding of what's going on around me and my situation in regards to uh, what I want for myself and the future. A lot of times we we make moves, uh, maybe minus the prayer and the advice that we may need from others, and just on our just our, on our own will and. I learned to just sit down and fully think things through and know that no matter how long it takes to figure that out, it's better to be patient, wait, understand and discern what's truly going on than to go ahead and make a decision. Okay. All right. All right. Sound like a pretty good lesson to bring into the new year. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our question of the month. And it is, since we're discussing some of our childhood today, this month's question is, name one meal that you remember as your favorite growing up. So what was y'all's favorite meal growing up? All right. Burns, what was your favorite food growing up? I really uh, was trying to think, but I really don't remember having a favorite food. I don't think I ate much as a child. I was a pretty skinny child. I think I saved all my eating habits until I became an adult. Mm. Okay. Uh, but probably, I would say something, something simple. I was very simple. I was good with a good old lunchable. <laughs> 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 Come on, Lunchable. I do oh, crack nice. a little ham. Okay. <laughs> a little pizza. I like a good pizza, Lunchable. <laughs> hmm, let's see. My favorite food growing up, probably until I was in like first grade, all my parents could get me to eat was chicken noodle soup, like that Campbell's good old chicken noodle soup. I wanted it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, all that. That's all. Really, really, really sick. And and then I remember after that, like my favorite food, this is the day one of my favorite foods, fried catfish or like we would go fishing. Karen would go fishing, fish, clean it, gut it, all that good stuff and fry it, man, and a little slaw. Oh, that sounds good. talk about our topic this uh, month, which is parental relationships. And we've found a research article of the month. I have a feeling a lot of people will have much to reflect on after this session. So let's get into our topic. According to Integris, that's I-N-T-E-G-R-I-S, Mental Health's May 2021 article, How Parents Affect Their Child's Mental Health, 
Most parents want to see their child succeed and live a long, healthy life. Jay and Brandon, tell us how you feel like your parents wanted to see you succeed. If yes, what steps did they take to help you succeed? If no, what do you feel could have been done more? So yes, my mom wanted to help me succeed. She made sure that I like did my best at my homework. You know, the simple things. Um, mm-hmm. keep, keep your hygiene up, dress well, uh, speak nice. Her, ma- her major thing was making sure that I had a, a prop- more proper way of talking and not just using slang all the time. She wanted to make sure that uh, once I got outside of my home, that I was perceived as the person that I would like to present myself as. So I'd say that was the, uh, that was the number one thing that she made sure she wanted to leave a mark on for me. Okay. Right. Jay, do you feel like your parents wanted to see you succeed? Like your mother wanted to see you succeed? I do. I feel like she did. What steps do you think um, that she took to help you succeed? Um. Well, I say I feel like she does. I just feel like there weren't enough steps or any many steps. I feel like she, um, for a while, she was like hard um, on me with homework. Um, And I feel like she was um, making sure that I had manners um, and that I talked well. Um, My father did most of the um, teeth came to like trying to make sure that I was um, well-spoken. But my mom, I don't think she did like too much to help me, but I just feel like she did. I feel like she wanted, like she to. wanted to. Do you think it was um, she had the, I would say the teaching herself to give you those steps to succeed. Do you think it was that or do you think it was something else? Uh, I think it was, I feel like it was both because she wasn't taught. So I feel like she didn't really have the steps or have anything to, you know, go off of. And then also I feel like there was a lot of other things, other factors involved in it um from her and my father's relationship that hindered her teaching me to succeed right so as adults we know life is full of challenges and although some of those challenges we create ourselves others are out of our control as a child many of the challenges we experienced were completely out of our control so intricate mental health indicates that one of the greatest impacts of events on a child's mental health are what they call adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. So ACEs include, but are not limited to being a victim of childhood abuse or neglect, witnessing violence, Witnessing a family member attempt or commit suicide, experiencing self or witnessing a family member with a substance abuse or mental health problem, having parents who are separated or divorced, and or a household member who is incarcerated. So Shay, Brandon, you don't have to go into any kind of detail but would you say that you faced any of those mentioned adverse childhood experiences? And 
If you did, do you think those affected who you are now as an adult? Yes. So Shay, you said yes to mm-hmm. experiencing those and that they have affected you now as uh, an adult. Yes. Brandon, what about you? Oh, most definitely. I experienced a couple of those. One of them that I guess wasn't missing, but definitely along those lines. And it, I, I don't think I'm affected by it because I think I'm definitely, but if a person was to ask somebody that's supposed to be, if I'm still affected by it, answer my So others might say that you are still affected by it, but you think you have dealt with it. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, sadly, one in three children under the age of 18 deal with at least one adverse childhood experience, while one in seven experience two or more. There is no guarantee that individuals who experience ACEs develop a mental health issue. ACEs increase the likelihood of those children developing depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, and PTSD as an adult. So, Intricate's Mental Health, they state that while it is important to shield our children from those adverse experiences, by ensuring not to underparent or neglect your child, it is also important to keep away from overparenting as well. So, overparenting it refers to a parent's attempt to micromanage their child's life. Manage their own discomfort as they cannot tolerate watching their child get hurt, failing, or making a mistake. So overparenting, it often limits the child's opportunities to learn and to cope with stressful, anxiety-driven situations. Say, Brandon, would you say that you were overparenting? Yes, definitely. I was overparenting earlier on but at some point i started to come kind of a knucklehead so it didn't didn't work after a while yeah that's a good point that you make because i think uh a lot of people have different experiences as a younger child and then i would say mid teenage years things start to change with the overparenting and the underparenting as well as we get older right I'll say um, authoritarian and uninvolved because it was a mixture of both. Oh no, me and Say must have been raised by like the same folk. We might be related to type way, but I don't know. Listen. Same. I got the same answer. Like authoritative, she wanted to to make sure everything is how 
she would perceive my life through those. But at the same time, because I'm a different person than how she wanted it to be. She didn't really know me enough to be as involved as she should have been or how she didn't know she should have been involved. Yeah, we must have the same mama because, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll definitely um, talk about some of the parenting styles that would make for a better parent. And a lot of it is our parents really, before they even had us, didn't know how to be parents. They weren't taught and their parents before them weren't taught and it just uh, continues full cycle that happens a lot of times. So we'll talk about some better ways um, as far as parenting style. So our next few questions, they'll help to demonstrate the effects of supportive and unsupportive parental relationships. So Shay and Brandon, feel free to answer these honestly, as they may help some other listeners in their healing process as well. So our first question is, growing up, what was your favorite thing about your relationship with your parents? Okay. Um, when I was younger, around like 10 or beforehand, uh, my mother and I, we both like uh, music and TV shows, things like that. So I think my favorite thing, not necessarily conditioning, was just uh, liking the music that she would play and being able to watch movies and laugh together and things of that nature. Okay, some good old quality time in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think music is the greatest connection for a lot of people. I don't think I would be where I am today without my parents playing that good old 90s R&B because that's all I know as <laughs> far as music and that's what I play all the time. We yeah. had some good old 90s gossip. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> we had one on deck. Every Sunday and Saturday, honey. Let me turn on some MTV. Uh-uh, it wasn't going down like that. Oh, yeah. Cardi be jumping, too. They do. <laughs> Shay, what about you? favorite to be honest okay that is understandable did you have any favorite family traditions no okay brandon how about you any favorite family traditions that you can think of more so of an experience like so uh once we moved to, to alice and i said beforehand just being at my grandma's house Whenever we're like outside cooking or whatever, drinking the entire 
it seems like the entire neighborhood might just pull up. So we got a yard full of people and cars lined down the road. And it's just always a good time. Like even even when I just went from home. So it, it It never gets old. So our next question, growing up, how friends, families compared to yours, would you say that they were about as close to their parents or closer? Were they more distant? And why do you think that was? When I got to the point of when I could like understand and like watch these these relationships happen, um, I think my my perspective of my friends, they were happier. They were happier with their family. Whereas uh, with with whatever situation was happening with me and my mom during my teenage years, we never were able to be on the same page and have a good relationship. So it's the fact that like they could feel that 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 love between the two. Whereas on my side, I just knew my mom loved me, but we didn't have a connection. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and that makes a difference being able to, you know, come and talk to your parents. And I noticed that there's a difference in my own relationship with my parents from when I was younger to now, like you guys have been saying. I have definitely been able to come and talk to them openly, probably since I was, like you guys said, out of the house and in college. And so now it's very different from my teenage years and even younger years as well. So going to the next question, kind of in alignment with what we we're already talking about how comfortable were you guys approaching your parents to talk about things or were you comfortable at all i wasn't comfortable at all um, with my dad i was a little bit more comfortable whenever he was around but that was because I feel like I needed an outlet, but I was not comfortable with my mom. Okay. Do you feel like it was because she would have judged you or all of the above? I know she would have judged whatever happened. She would have also dismissed how I felt about what happened. And then she yeah. would have tried to turn it into a lesson that probably wasn't really needed. Like, and she freaks out about everything. So like it's just all around a bad situation gotcha I said from 15 and up I was comfortable saying things that were on my mind it was the fact that we were speaking differently so I could say whatever I want to try to get across and we could talk about it but even to say like we just get on the same page to have that discussion
Yeah, and that definitely makes a difference. So another good question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how strict were your parents? And what do you think would have been the perfect number for them? Yeah, I say 10. I think... um... Mm -hmm. were they more strict on certain things certain aspects or was it kind of across the board that they were strict on just about everything so my mom voiced her opinion on everything but as for like like I'll say like child child rearing I've only I only seen her fall being like woke by my mom like once. Mm-hmm. Um so if she said something like punishment or something like that, yelling at me worked before I was like twelve or thirteen. But after that it was really funny. she couldn't tell me, especially due to the fact that living in the ground uh oh, punishment didn't even it didn't make sense at all. And Shay, you said a 10. What do you think would have been like the ideal number for strictness as far as uh, parenting? How strict do you think she should have been? I feel like a five or a six because I feel like you don't have to be so like my way or no way, my way or the highway, you know, every single about every single thing. I feel like you should like you know try to take some time to understand like the child at least at some point like because that person is a whole different person than you so they're not gonna think the same way you do so I feel like they should like give a little bit of leeway but not like to the extent where they feel like you know oh that's just my friend I can do anything and everything and they don't care yeah they're just while you were talking I was thinking um with a lot of parents I feel like a lot of them parent based on themselves. Mm-hmm. I would say for an example, <laughs> I'll tell you guys, I had a um, 12, was it 12 a.m.? Um, yes, a 12 a.m. curfew for prom. And, um, you know, I was kind of upset about that, but I think my parents were parenting based off of their lifestyle. I would say in high school, I was a very much innocent person and I followed all the rules and really never ever got in trouble so I felt like you know on um, prom night I should be able to stay out later than you know 12 o'clock so I came in 
it wasn't even really late. It was like 12.10 that I came in and y'all, I got in trouble. A lot of trouble. So I think our parents really parent based on their lifestyle. And at that age, my parents, when they were, you know, 17, 18, were doing a lot more than I did. So I think they were thinking that I would go out and do what they did their prom night. So they wanted (laughs) to stop it before. Yeah, that's my mom. She was like, oh no. <laughs> like, my, my curfew was like, oh, what time is prom over? Come home. And I was like, I want to stay in my best friend's house. <laughs> That's about how mine was. When you brought that curfew up, it reminded me I had a curfew the entire time from high school, from ninth grade to 12th grade. My curfew was 9 p.m. If I was Right. If I was not at work, if I wasn't playing basketball, or running track, I was at the house. That's what it was at 9 p.m. And then, like on prom, it was just like, come straight home afterwards. So that's what I did. But then my little sister, Calandria. Girl, here. tell me about it. <laughs> this girl, her look curfew was 12.30 a.m. <laughs> I was done. Because I was about like you, Burns. I just went school. I had my grades together. I ain't getting no trouble. I'm like, what did I do? Yeah, it was really strict, and I think it's because my older sister, who was nine years older than me, she was always into trouble. They was always getting on to her, so they just kind of like, "You gonna be just like that?" So we gonna put your curfew at nine. So yeah, that's what I dealt with. So since we're on the topic of getting in trouble. Have you guys ever got in a lot of trouble like outside of the home? And if you did, what was your parents' response? When I was in high school, I was in high school, like, I think it happened in the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the ninth grade. But um, I got in a fight. Somebody was uh, picking with me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guess they didn't think I was gonna do nothing, so we ended up fighting. Um, and then I went home. Nobody knew about it. <laughs> uh, nobody uh, that was an adult knew about it anyway. But my cousin, he had been there along with me. That was on like my second year in the school, so yeah, I was angry. And he was told me like, yeah, um, they gonna jump you when you go back. But he was lying. Oh. So. Me thinking, okay, I'm about to get jumped. I, I found this little mini knife, like very oh, small. Love. I put it in my book bag. I'm like, I ain't going out like that. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> so I get to the school, and that whole day nothing happened. All right, cool. Forget to take the knife on my bag. Go back the next day, and like uh, this dude who's supposed to be like bad or whatever, he been sent off a few times. Like, he was trying to fight me, but we had never had anything to, for nothing. So, I was chilling. And honestly, I just ain't want to fight. Um, But instead of, like, him egging on the situation, I guess, like, if he had hit me, then I would have fought. Mm-hmm. But, nah, he was just saying stuff, like, just trying to get me riled up. So, he dumped the stuff out of my book bag. I forgot the knife. Oh, man. And it came out. 
the instructor there, because we was in the band room, the instructor there didn't even say nothing because he ain't see it. But this dude who's supposed to be all big and tough, he grabbed the knife and go snitch on me. Wow. And so I was in in-school suspension for a whole semester off of that. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh yeah, uh, well, you, oh, yeah, yeah. Birmingham City Schools, you would have been out of the school system. Exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> I was a good student before that, and like the principal or whoever, they knew that. They knew I had no problems. I was, I, I was in a gifted program the year before that or that year. My mom's response wasn't even like something serious because I, I explained myself to my family and it was like, like yeah, that's, you did something stupid. But uh, my family is the type of people like, nah, if you're wrong, you need to know, stand up for yourself. And if you thought something didn't go down, yeah, you did too much, but we understand. It wasn't even that big at the crib. It was more so a joke, like how, how you get caught <laughs> so they were pretty understanding. Right. I wouldn't say I got into like really, really big trouble. Um not really because well, I always got in trouble, like regular trouble. Um, because um a lot of times like I wouldn't say I got bullied, but I definitely got picked on, like, a lot, like, every single day by certain people. And so, um, a few times, I just got fed up, and I would just fight them, and I would get in trouble. I would get suspended or something like that. And I had, like, um, in the school system I was in, like, I had racist teachers who would pick on me and, like, put me in the back of the class and tell me stuff like, that's where I need to be at. Um, oh. So, and then I couldn't hang with my friends who were... Um, of different ethnic backgrounds or you know races or whatever so um they would be picking on me and I would go home and tell my mama she would be like oh whatever she wouldn't listen but if I came home with like a report saying I got suspended or I was in detention or I'm about to get expelled then she would be like well I shouldn't have done any of that stuff like like I didn't come to her with the issue beforehand mm. and um she didn't believe me until like she actually walked up to the school or she went up to the school one day and um, we had a parent teacher conference because the teacher got upset that I told her that sometimes I have like, sometimes I get upset. And that was back when I was like, I was in seventh grade. So I ain't know for real, for real. But um, I was like, sometimes I get upset and I don't understand why. And that's what I wrote down on the paper about myself. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. um, she took that and gave me a zero for the whole semester. Like did not grade any of my paperwork, nothing. And so I was telling my mom, I'm like, mom, I do my work. I don't know why I got a zero in the class. I have a zero. I don't understand why. So the lady took that up to the to the principal and told her that that's why. She basically was trying to get me expelled out of school, acting like I was causing trouble. And she was like, well, she's always talking. She's always asking people for stuff. I'm like, because you put me in the back of the classroom behind your desk, and I can't even see. I don't even have glasses because my mom couldn't afford that. So we ended up getting it sorted out. My mama thought I was lying at first. And um, she walked through the halls. I guess she snuck through there. I don't know. But she walked through the halls and actually saw for herself 
And um, at the time I was just in class, just drawing, but I felt like somebody was looking at me and I looked over and it was long. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get in trouble because I'm not paying attention to the lesson, but I can't see how I'm gonna explain this. And then they actually, um, she believed me that time after she saw it for herself. But a lot of times, like my mom was not hearing nothing I had to say because I guess she was taking it from her experience because she used to, I guess, lie a lot or she was rebellious or whatever. But I was just like, I ain't doing none of it. So, I mean, I got suspended a lot in school. Um, I got in trouble a lot in school, but it wasn't really like, it was basically like, like I was reacting to other people doing stuff to me. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, that probably was it. She was taking it from her experience. You know, like you said, if she lied, the same. But we can be very, very different from our parents. Which this next question. Were you ever embarrassed by your parents? Anything that they did, said, how they acted? Did your parents ever embarrass you? Till this day. <laughs> um, <laughs> something that happened after the whole pineapple struggle or whatever caused the move that I to um, Whatever happened around that time that um, she, she started, started struggling with finances, there were personal issues going on as well. But those things stuck with her to a point of where she made it her mentally. So after the point of, I guess, like 12 or 13, I said it was like 2007, 2008. So after that, um, she's never been the same. So some of the antics that she might carry on with after that, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's related to some pretty embarrassing moments of the day. So it sounds like that really affected her. Yeah, it really did. And like, like in, in ways that, like, um, it's, it's hard to explain. And like, I could, but it'd probably be too much for the moment right now. Yeah. But um, so, so it, it affected, affected her, and in turn, it affected me as well. Jay, okay, how about you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> several times. said I feel like it would be a, a bit uh too much to like just talk about I mean a couple of them weren't that I mean they were embarrassing but yeah some of the stuff was just crazy gotcha um for me uh I would say at times I used to be embarrassed my mom and I have very different personalities I'm pretty introverted person like when I was younger did not like confrontation or any of that but my mom was not the same way um I remember a time when we were at a restaurant and I know we went through drive-through and they got our order wrong so she takes the food bag and 
arguing with like the person that works there. So, you know, me quiet, shy and everything was like, you know, let's just, you know, take it and we can go back to the house and, you know, we can just eat what they gave us and be fine with it. But she was not that way. She went in there and cut up. Mm. So I was, it was several different things like that because of her personality. She really stood up for herself is what I can see it as now as an adult but as a child it was very embarrassing and I can say as an adult now I am pretty similar when it comes to people either being rude to me or rude to my family members especially if you're rude to like my grandparents or older aunts and uncles then I'm, I'm gonna be just embarrassing as my mom was that one time I'm gonna do the same thing Mm-hmm. Um, in order for you to respect them so yeah I was embarrassed at that point but now I kind of understand okay um, mine are a little bit on a, on a lighter note I have one for my dad and, and one for my mama so one for my mom she embarrassed me when I was younger I don't remember how old I was but I used to be extremely shy still am pretty much until I get to know someone but like reserved, quiet, introverted, all that good stuff. And she was trying to break me out of my shell. Um, she wanted me to start doing this modeling stuff and I just was not with all of that. And so <laughs> she bought me some clothes. She wanted me to try them on, so I tried them on. And she was like, do a little walk for me. I was like, no. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like it's just me and your daddy sitting here. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So she made me do it. I'm talking about tears in my eyes. Like, I'm just uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. And she's like, I'll tell you what, you go outside and walk. So my neighbors were outside. I had a little crush on my neighbor growing up. It was two boys growing up and the one that was like a year older than me. I had this huge crush on him. And so my friends, not my friends, my sister and my cousin was outside plus the two neighbors. So she made me go outside and walk back to the mailbox and back to the front door in front of them with this new outfit. I'm just looking foolish. So that embarrassed me. I still remember that to this day. And then my daddy, he had this old, rusty brown truck. It was a Oh, Ford. no. It's always the embarrassing car. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. I swear. <laughs> I'm talking about this truck was broke down, and he knew it. And he would always call, that's my money-making truck. That's the truck he does to work. So sometimes, like, at basketball, we had basketball practice, me and my little sister, or we just wouldn't ride a bus. He'd be like, I'm going to go pick them up. And so him knowing that the truck is just broke down, he didn't care. So this is him like bustling. You can hear the truck coming from down the road, like a mile or two down the road, you can hear this truck coming down the road. And on top of that, he's honking the horn. Beep, beep, beep. Oh no, he wanted mm-hmm. yes. okay. Pulling up in front of school, mind you, everybody at the gym lock, we waiting on our rides, come pick us up, everybody sitting outside. He roll up honking his horn, yelling at us. We open the door like, would you stop, dang. And as soon as we open the door, all kind of trash just. <laughs> 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 like, just like Coke bottles, stuff you get from like a vending machine, just all on the ground. Now we got to pick this stuff up and just like, it was just so embarrassing. He loved doing us like that. We could not stand it. So embarrassing. Picking y'all up in the hoop I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Ooh, honey. Okay. Um, so moving right on into 
similarities and differences of your parents. So think about like how you are today. Do you notice any similarities that you may have from your parents or any differences that you may have? So I'm very silly and goofy like both my parents. They have a crazy sense of humor. Like they are hilarious. Probably some of the most hilarious people I know. Um, and I'm very similar in that way. And also um, they are very ambitious. And um, I would I would say almost overachievers because I'm, I'm very similar in that way as well. Um, and then also they hold on to things. Okay. So it's hard for them to like let stuff go sometimes. And I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like that. I'm a little bit like that. I've been working on it, but I'm still like that. Yeah. We pick up some of them traits from our parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we do. Brandon, how about you? Um, I'm very kind of quirky. Like, uh, when my mom burps, like, it's not just one burp. It's very consistent. It's a lot back to back. And, like, I do that. And I'm like, why do I do that? And I guess I learned it from or whatever. And and that love for music is the thing. And uh, earlier on when I was like five or six, like she used to be a life of the party, to have people over, always making daiquiris and drinks and just uh, entertaining people, being a great host. And um, I like to do the same thing whenever I have the opportunity. So yeah. Okay. Sound like we need to come to your house, Brandon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always always something. So if y'all want to pull up, I'll make sure to set it out for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Are the most important things your parents taught you? So it could be something that they said directly to you, but it could also be something that you learn from, you know, watching their own life. So what are some of the most important things that your parents taught you or that you learn from their life? I say the most indirect, like the, the main thing she taught me and it was indirectly was whenever something's going on, if I feel like I'm down and out or whatever, it's just to always keep going. Like, never allow a failure or a misstep to uh, throw me off of what I want to do in life or just sit me down. So it's to always just keep going and knowing that things will be better if I keep good spirits about everything. That's a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mine is pretty much don't do what everybody else do because for mm-hmm. a long time like I didn't know like how to be myself because I really didn't have a chance to get to know myself until after I was like 19 or 20 so I used to try to do what other people did. It wasn't like I was trying to like follow the leader, but it kind of was like that a little bit. Um, 
And so I had to learn like not to do or try to do everything that somebody else does, someone else does because it's not going to fit me the same way. It's kind of like an outfit. Like if I'm like a size 16 and somebody is size 10, I'm not going to be able to fit in a size 10. Yeah. So um, pretty much that. I would say the biggest lesson that I learned, especially from my mom, was that every step you take should be intentional as far as moving up. I would say what I remember from my childhood is moving like as far as houses probably every two or three years but Mm -hmm. every time we moved it was in a bit better neighborhood a bigger you know apartment or a house every step was bigger and better so that's what I take when it comes to my career Every job that I accept is going to be bigger. It's going to pay more. The role is going to be larger than the last one that I left. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned from my mom in particular. Okay. Um, from my daddy, something that he always says is, don't let nobody stop you. That's He says that all the time to this day. How's school going, buddy? And I tell them, I'm sick of this. Don't let nobody stop you at work. Don't let nobody stop you. So it just kind of taught me just to keep going, no matter like how tired I am or people at my, at my job might be getting my nerves. I'm tired of school. No matter what, just to keep going if it's something that I want to do. And then my mama, she has always just taught us how to just be kind to people, just be nice and respectful. Um, always. Like You never know what somebody else got going on, so... Even if you mad or you upset, you still treat them kindly at first until you have reason not to. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. So our last question in this uh, series of questions is, if you have kids or if you want to have kids, whenever they reach the age that you are now and they look back, what do you want them to say about you? I want them to say that they was able to come to me for any and everything, even if they were like in trouble. Um, and that I was funny. Like funny is number one. The hilarious. <laughs> I want them to say I was funny. <laughs> for real. I want them to say I was funny. That's number one. And then I would want them to say that they can come to me or talk. They feel like whenever they're around me, that they're at home. Even if they move out, whatever they're doing, like I want them to be able to say, okay, well, I can let my hair down around my mom. That's sweet. I said the exact same thing. Um, like that I, I was very transparent in that 
I was able to teach them everything that they needed to know about the world before they left the house. And by the time they got to that age that they are, that I am right now, that every bit of information I gave them was useful and right on. As well as, like she said, uh, the house was never without laughter. Those are great things, very great things. So we talked about some lessons learned that you learned from your parents, some lessons you want your future kids to learn from you. So our current event of the month, it really focuses on the recently released biographical film, King Richard, which examines Richard Williams, the father of African-American tennis prodigies, Venus and Williams, and his efforts to turn the girls at a young age into professional tennis players. So here's five lessons that Down the Hobbit Hole blog learned from watching King Richard. So the first lesson was everyone needs hype people in their lives. Would you guys say that that is true? Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most most of y'all around, I never, when it comes to those role models of people you look to to get that energy from, that you can maintain to be able to keep going and reach for your great heights. I didn't have a lot of that. So there might have been one or two examples, but I, as I watched that movie and I saw Serena and Venus Williams' father continually put them on a, on a pedestal and make sure that they knew that they were deserving of everything that he wanted for them and that they wanted for themselves. Like yes, every everybody needs that type of individual in their lives for sure. Yeah, I agree. I'm that person for everybody, but I don't really have that. So I try to make sure that, you know, um, I keep that with me so I can give that to my kids. Cause um, it's kind of weird when you don't have it around, you know. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that's needed. So the number two lesson is you've got to believe and yourself that is the truth when nobody else believes in you you definitely have to believe in yourself because sometimes it'll be that other people believe in you but they have not expressed it which is one of the worst things that can happen but you got to believe in yourself no matter what because sometimes it's not going to be people always around to you know, give you that hype that you need. So our lesson number three from King Richard is rejection and losing are a big part of winning. And I'll say that again for you guys to understand. Rejection and losing are a big part of winning. What do you guys think about that lesson? I agree because having my own business you hear a lot of no's and then when I was growing up I heard a lot of no's like literally just no 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 
and you just feel like you know I, it's easy to get um stuck in that that depression when you're like oh my god like I can't do anything nobody's gonna help me and nobody you know you know nobody's got my back or whatever but when I tell you <laughs> it, took, it may have taken me like four years to like get things together for my own business mm-hmm. but hearing all those no's definitely definitely helped me definitely yeah it's definitely part of the process for sure I think I would say rejection and losing only teaches me that it doesn't defeat me. Like, no matter what I don't get or what I fail, I don't die. I'm still healthy. I can still go attempt the same thing tomorrow um, across the street. So, as long as you know you're not defeated and you can always just get up and try it. It just the only thing it teaches you after that is what you're lacking in and a better way to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly right. So our lesson number four is hard work and dedication are invaluable, but you also need community. So we talked a lot about having other people around. Our lesson number five. And the last one is success is not the most important thing. That is a tough lesson, I would say, for even myself that I have to learn. Um, When I'm not successful, I'm a powder. I'm upset. I take things as like the end of the world. I've had to learn over the past recent years that when things don't go my way, it is not the end of the world. So, Mm -hmm. like you guys said, we're not always going to be successful, um, but it's a lesson. It's definitely a lesson to learn for ourselves, but it can also be a lesson to learn and teach for future generations as well. Right. So let's jump into how to create a healthy adult relationship with parents. According to the Child Development Institute, healthy parent-child relationships are built on safety, unconditional love, mutual respect, acceptance, and flexibility. Children must are consistently there for them, providing warmth, comfort, love, and stimulation. Children also need to know that their parents' love will not falter through their ups and downs and that their parents will always be there to support them emotionally no matter what. Children need to know that their opinion, feelings, and rights matter. Respect starts with good communication. Parents must embrace their child's individuality, meet them where they're at, and cherish their unique qualities all while accepting that their child tomorrow might be different from who they are today. that just makes me um think about something brandon mentioned in the past as children we are most likely going to be very different from our parents we're all individuals and even looking forward to having kids in the future one of the biggest things that i know is i cannot plan 
my child's life. I cannot plan, you know, what they're going to enjoy, their interests, their hobbies. So as a parent, one of the biggest things for our relationship with children is to accept them for who they are. That unconditional love is one of the most important things that parents can provide to us. You guys mm-hmm. have any thoughts on, you know, that unconditional love and having received it or not received it? What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think giving grace to a child to, like you said, that unconditional love to be able to allow them to make those mistakes, uh, to make those wrong decisions or whatever, but understand that that still um, can be a great person on the inside that just can't seem to make out the best way to go about what they want to do or what they were intended to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I feel like um, it kind of, I don't think a lot of people realize, but like not giving your child the, um, or not being able to express how you feel about your child as far as like love and support, I feel like um, definitely uh, does something to the child's inner voice. So, you know, a lot of times um, when making a decision, you're, instead of thinking of your own voice, you're kind of thinking like, oh, wait, you know, my parents said X, Y, Z, even as, as an adult. And I feel like, you know, um, with that type of impact, I feel like that is extremely important that you give your child um, the love that they need, specifically that they need, not just what you would have wanted. And so I say one more thing. When we talk about respect for a child, um, sometimes we got to know that the same way I'm sure that like all three of y'all, when we were younger, we knew more than what they say a six or seven year old should know. So oh, yeah, definitely. That's because that child is seven, eight years old. Doesn't mean you treat them as, as such sometimes. You should probably see if they understand what you think that they don't mm. so that you can connect with them on a deeper level instead of face value how most people connect with children. You can mm-hmm. kind of talk to them on an adult level sometimes if they're capable of being able to understand that. Maybe not give them 100% of the information, but allow them to receive what's going on so that you don't think they're lost and they don't think you're trying to put pull a shade over them every time. Mm. Right. I like that. So becoming an adult for a lot of people, it can be viewed as a new start on the development of this parent-child relationship. Um, For some, this is the opportunity to build a healthier relationship. And for others, this is the opportunity for them to free themselves from that parent-child relationship. So listen up for tips from Psych Central on how to create or maintain a healthy adult relationship with your parent. Okay, so number one, get your house, get your own house in order. Accept that your parents aren't perfect and neither are you. Realize that your parents are a product of their own growing up and life experiences. 
take the risk of defining yourself and try to stray away from trying to win their approval. Acknowledge what was troublesome about your growing up experience. Know that as an adult, you're entitled to your own choices, opinions, and decisions, even if they turn out to be mistakes. Take responsibility for who you are today. That just says to me, um, you're not responsible for your trauma, but you are responsible for your healing. So you can't project those things onto other people. Um, It's your responsibility to to seek help for whatever it is that you're dealing with versus harming or hurting other people, potentially your own children. You said a lot there. Can can you repeat that phrase again about the yeah, uh, trauma? That's specific <laughs> to my situation. You are not responsible for your trauma or your traumatic experiences, but you are responsible for that healing process. So acknowledge it, like let it be that it happened, but then seek help, grow, change from it, so you don't end up doing the exact same situation to other people. Thanks. And that's where a lot of people are stuck. And we want to help free you guys from that um, traumatizing experience. Mm-hmm. So it's your responsibility. And we want you to take charge of bettering your own life. We want you to be successful. Free yourself by taking care and taking charge of your own healing. So our number two way to create or maintain a healthy adult relationship with your parents is to avoid those same old traps. Do something different. So stop trying to change your parents because it ain't going to happen. They who they are. And especially if they're like 50 and up, they definitely aren't changing who they are. So instead... Think about how you can change your behavior to create some better interactions with them. So develop and enjoy some common interests and activities together. So where you participate as equals, notice and acknowledge the good things they have done, even if it was few, even if it was only one, and you to do for you. So thank them. For those, even if it was that one thing that they did, thank them for it. And when issues come between you, treat them as problems external to you both. So when new issues arise, do not bring up those past issues that happened. Treat it as its own solid event. Not as, you know, that person's character flaw and not as a battle to be won in a war because you aren't at a war with that parent. So even if relations are strained, try to remain in contact. So it doesn't have to be every day, doesn't have to be every week. Maybe it's just, you know, every holiday. And it doesn't have to be face-to-face contact, even if it's only through notes, email, or, you know, voicemail. But avoid those same old traps and try to do something different. 
Absolutely. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. So, would you still say that if, like, the parents were abusive? Like, mm-hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, and all of that. Like, would you still say the same thing? Um, or suggest that the comes, same type of interaction? That comes to our, our, our next tip, actually. Okay. So, uh, for number three... To kind of go along with that, Shay, uh, it says, choose you. If you tried everything mentioned above and the relationship still causes you pain, choose you. No relationship, even with your parents, is worth you overall, your overall well-being. So choose yourself. You may find that an older mentor, family member, or the parents of your friends or partner are more of a beneficial parental figure than your own. So yeah, that that's really it. If that relationship is so traumatizing, um, and it's a lot of experiences that I would not recommend you rebuilding that relationship with that parent. And sometimes if that relationship wasn't there, you know, to begin with. So in all, choose you. If you know that building that relationship with that person is just going to damage you and that person is not gonna be um a beneficial participant in your life then no don't rekindle that relationship at all you have to work towards that healing that's like um expecting apologies and things from people that aren't going to give them or aren't even going to acknowledge that they did something wrong at that point, you just have to um, move forward and know that what you did, um, you made that effort or you made that effort in um, healing yourself instead of trying to improve that relationship that's no longer beneficial for you. Right. Um, I also think that it's important to gauge the level of toxicity. So if you feel that that relationship is toxic and it's been more negative than it has been positive, um, then it might be beneficial to, to see therapy or that nature just so you can voice your concerns um, with whomever it is with someone that'll mediate um, that can provide you with some direction to go to approach that relationship on your own um, or if that doesn't work then it might just you might just have to focus on yourself and get your own therapy and heal yourself and just hope that the people that you're trying to connect with can do the same thing and grow yeah absolutely um i definitely would say um a recommendation for family therapy but outside of that um you have to have a willing participant that's where a lot of people struggle when it comes to getting um even their parents or partner um into family therapy both people have to be willing participants and outside of that family therapy, each person has to work on, be willing to work on themselves. Does that help a little with your, your question that you had? Oh yeah, it, it definitely helped a lot. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that I was still, you know, on the right page. Yeah. Right. 
So here is some takeaways from very intense, deep conversation that we have had here. So we discussed a lot in this session on parental relationships, and there is a lot more that we have could have gotten into, but we only got so much time, so we'll spare you guys, and we'll save it probably for another episode. So here are a few takeaways to remember. The first, most parents do want their child succeed and live a long, healthy life. However, one in three children under the age of 18 deal with at least one adverse childhood experience, which often increases their risk of developing health disorders. While it is important to shield our children from adverse experiences by ensuring not to underparent or neglect them, it is also important to keep away from parenting as well. Hard work and dedication are invaluable, but we also need community. In creating a healthy adult relationship with our parents, get your own house in order first, then do something different. If that doesn't work, choose you. Develop a healthy relationship with someone you could consider a parental bigger if you do not have that. So those are our takeaway for this session. Okay, so next we're going to jump into our homework. For those who still have parents on this earth and for those who have parental figures, we give you the task of establishing a routine activity with your parents. This is something for you and them to decide together. Whether it be a simple text once a month or having Sunday dinner together every other Sunday, you all decide together. For those who don't have parental figures, this is a personal task. We challenge you to seek out someone to develop a healthy parental relationship with, someone with whom you feel safe around, who provides you with unconditional love, mutual respect, acceptance, and flexibility. We want to know if you're doing your homework. DM us or comment on one of our social media pages at Melanated and Misguided that you've completed this task. We would love to see that. So, let's know after our homework is our recommendation for a local Black therapist. So our recommendation for this month comes from a search on Therapy for Black Girls website. So our therapist is Nikita Nettles. She has her license in social work. And she is the founder of Hope Family Counseling Service in Woodstock, Alabama. And that's 30 minutes east of Tuscaloosa and 20 minutes west of Bessemer, Alabama. Hope is licensed in Alabama and she offers online and in-office therapy. Her phone number is 205-928-2341. Nikita specializes in helping families learn how to handle difficult behaviors 
how to deal with the peer and social issues of this generation, how to help children heal from trauma or abuse, and simply how to get children to talk to you as parents. So Nikita Nettles is the founder of Hope Family Counseling located in Woodstock, Alabama. And again, she can be reached at 205-928-2341. All right. So it's come to a time where we end our podcast and we would like to thank you guys so much for tuning in to session 10 of Medicine for the Melanated and Misguided. This session may be long, but we knew it was one that was needed. It's a pleasure to know that our once a month sessions are impacting so many people, but we know that there are many people who still need to hear from us. Go ahead and subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend. We are on a mission to uplift the black community. Thank you again, Shay Frazier and Brandon Wenham for sharing your voice with our listeners. So don't forget to follow Medicine for the Melanated and Misguided on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we post weekly quotes and stats on mental health, along with reminders about each episode. Until next time. Take care.